there, I'm Leah Ben Miller, the worship leader of the local church, and you're listening to the local church podcast featuring the messages from our Sunday liturgy. The local church is a bold, inclusive faith community based in Chatham County, North Carolina, and our mantra is our mission, love where you are. We gather for affirming, anchoring, and empowering worship every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. at Woods Charter School and online via Facebook Live and YouTube. No matter where you find yourself physically, spiritually, or emotionally, you belong at the local church. And we're so glad you're here. Our scripture reading this morning is from the Gospel according to John in the New Testament, chapter 1, verses 29 through 46. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and declared, This is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks ahead of me because he was before me. I myself do not know him, but I came baptizing with water for this reason, that he might be revealed to Israel. And John testified, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I myself have seen and have testified that this is the chosen one. The next day, John, again, was standing with two of his disciples, and he watched Jesus walk by. He exclaimed, Look, here is the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. When Jesus turned and saw them following, he said to them, What are you looking for? They said to him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, come and see. They came and saw where he was staying, and they remained with him that day. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his brother Simon and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which is translated anointed. We brought Simon to Jesus, who looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You are to be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him about whom... Moses in the law, and also the prophets wrote, Jesus, son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Peter said to him, Come and see. This is the word of God for all of God's creation. Thanks be to God.
In uh, early December uh, last year, passengers at Orlando International Airport waiting to board Frontier Airlines Flight 1222 bound for Knoxville, Tennessee, received the kind of news over the PA that you never want to hear when you're at the airport. Their flight had been canceled. Their flight had been canceled. Uh, understandably then, a flight full of grumpy passengers took off, not for Knoxville, but to the customer service desk at Frontier Airlines, seeking something, anything that could help alleviate their pain, remedy their situation, help them get home, a hotel stay, right, a, a, a new flight, a refund, anything. And that's when one would-be passenger, Amy Sad, thought, this is ridiculous. I've got a better idea. And, then, and that's when she raised her hand and shouted to anybody and everybody nearby, if anyone wants to go in on renting a bus or a van, come over here. Elena Story and two of her family members who'd been vacationing in Orlando thought that this sounded like a great plan, better than anything they had going there anyway, and they were anxious to get home. Michelle Miller was in on it too. She wanted to make sure that she made it to the conference in, Nash in Knoxville, Knoxville where uh, she was set to be a keynote speaker uh, a couple days later. Carlos Cordero said yes as well because his fiance's daughter had a college tour scheduled at the University of Tennessee, and uh, he wanted to make sure that they all got there for that. A few others joined in too, 13 strangers in total, all pitching in 60 bucks to rent a 15-passenger van from Hertz, make the drive from Orlando to Knoxville. So at around 10 p.m., they all took a risk all piled into the van and spent the next 10 or so hours talking about what they did for a living, their hopes and dreams, learning each other's. One described how she was on her way to support her son, who was in the midst of a custody battle. Another shared how she was going to help her friend close on her house and ultimately move. One of the passengers, a pastor, responded to questions about God, like we do. Another few uh, realized that they were going to the same conference as the speaker, who was also in the van. With just a few stops for bathroom break and snacks, they finally made it back to Knoxville around 8.30 the next morning. In time for college tours and keynote speeches and house closings and all the things. And apparently, they're still all on a group text together just over a month later. I think we got a picture of them. There they are. Uh, for their trouble, Frontier, Airline, Frontier Airlines uh, offered each of the passengers a $50 voucher. So there's that. But these, uh, thir <laughs> but these 13 who, uh, who each took a risk, hopped in a 15-passenger van with a bunch of strangers, joined one another's hopes and dreams, lives and longings, finding community, friendship, and joy along the way. For them, the payoff was priceless. It's an experience they won't soon forget. And believe it or not, this experience is not unlike the one that Andrew, Simon, Philip, and Nathaniel find themselves a part of in the passage that Sherry read for us this morning. More on that in a bit. But first, 
quick uh, word of welcome. My name is Brent. I have the great joy of serving as the pastor here at the local church. Uh, And uh, we hope for three things each and every time you connect with the local church in any way. We want you to feel affirmed, anchored, and empowered. That is affirmed in your belovedness as the child of God that you are, anchored in the good news that we share together each week, and empowered then to take that good news into the world, to love where you are, living out our mission, which is God's mission, uh, love where you are, affirmed, anchored, and empowered by God's grace. If we haven't had the chance to meet yet, would love to do that uh, after the service. If you're participating online this morning, welcome to you as well. We are so, so glad that you are here and that you've connected, whether in person or online. This morning, uh, we're launching a new series that we're calling Come and See. Come and See. And I'm really excited about this. When we find ourselves in the season of Epiphany. Epiphany is a day in our church calendar, the one in which we celebrate the Magi coming and paying homage to Jesus, bringing their gifts, worshiping him. But it also goes beyond a day. Uh, It lasts for a whole season. Epiphany, as I've shared for a few weeks now, uh, is more than an aha moment. It's more than a a great idea. Epiphany, actually, the word epiphany means manifest revelation or new understanding. Manifest revelation or new understanding. And that's fitting for this season because it's in this season in which we contemplate and consider together the ways that God is revealed to us in Jesus. How God's love is made manifest, not in a lavish palace, but among the vulnerable, among the outcast, among the marginalized. About how the incarnation of Jesus, love coming local, invites us into a new understanding of who God is, of who we are, and of who God is calling us to be. Manifest, revelation, new understanding. For the next few weeks in the series, We'll be following the lectionary, which is the calendar of scriptures uh, that is appointed uh, for churches all around the world, used by churches around the world on any given Sunday. And our hope is that as we journey through these passages together, as we journey through these passages together, we'll draw near to the God who has drawn near to us, that we'll have a better vision, a better sight, clarity of sight, and wonder together how that journey with Jesus is shaping our vision. How is it shaping our vision? What new understandings, revelations will we discover? What does God want us to see in ourselves? What does God want us to see in each other? What does God want us to see in the world? This is the epiphany invitation to come and to see. And so as we begin, now that the the air has quieted, let's be quiet for a moment ourselves. God, find us in the silence, in the stillness that is so hard to come by. We don't take it for granted here. Quiet our minds. Open our hearts. That we, in the same way that you have drawn near to us, might move just a little bit closer to you. Stir up in us, O oh God, to take that next faithful step. Stir our imaginations. Fill us with wonder, boldness, courage 
to take a risk, to come and to see. In the name of your son, Jesus, who beckons us anew this day. Amen. Last week, if you remember, uh, was baptism of the Lord Sunday, and we heard the story of Jesus' baptism by John the Baptizer in the Jordan, remembered our baptisms, remembered who and whose we are, thought about what might be true for us at the end, and how the end, what may be true at the end, may not be too different from what was true at the beginning and what's been true all along. This week, the story picks up after the baptism in the Gospel of John, John the Evangelist, the Gospel writer, that is, not John the Baptizer. A lot of Johns being thrown about today. Stick with me. Each Gospel is essentially a biography of Jesus from a particular perspective. And this week we get the perspective from John the Evangelist, the Gospel writer's perspective. And, and in the passage that Sherry read, John the Baptizer sees Jesus coming toward him and declares, Here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And he describes then what happened at the baptism, what, what he uh, experienced and what he saw, how the Spirit descended on Jesus. And that led John to declare in no uncertain terms that this is really for real the Son of God, the Chosen One. The next day, John's again standing there and Jesus walks by again and again. John declares, he wants everybody to know, here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. After John says this, two men who had been following John turn to Jesus instead and start following him. And Jesus sees them and says, what are you looking for? Isn't that a great question? What are you looking for? These are the very first words spoken by Jesus in John's gospel. What are you looking for? It's such a good piercing question, isn't it? How would you answer that? How would you answer that? Belonging, purpose, an opportunity to make a difference, meaning, mercy, freedom, connection. What? What are you looking for? Why are you here today? What are you looking for? Anyway, the two who are following Jesus respond with a question of their own. Where are you staying? Where are you staying? So Jesus asks, what are you looking for? They respond, where are you staying? And that's when Jesus responds, come and see, come and see. The same words then that Philip says to Nathaniel when Nathaniel asks, if anything good can come from Nazareth, come and see, Philip says, echoing Jesus. And there are two things I want to point out uh, about this passage, important for us to get the full sense of what's going on. First, you'll notice I said it that a few times, John the baptizer calls Jesus the Lamb of God. The Lamb of God. It may be a phrase that you've heard before. It may evoke a, a, a sort of um, understanding of sacrifice for sin. But what's, what's interesting is that in those days, in first century Jewish life, life uh, the lamb, the, uh, a young sheep, wasn't necessarily one of the animals that was typically slain uh, and used in sin offerings. Goats were, bulls were, adult sheep were, but not lambs. And so we actually have to look a bit deeper to find out what's really going on. What, what uh, does John mean here? What does he mean when he calls Jesus the Lamb of God? And Jewish hearers of John's words would actually recall the story of the Passover from Exodus in the Old Testament. If you've seen Prince of Egypt, you know the story? Uh, in the Exodus story, the blood of the lamb protected the ancient Israelites from death. And that protection, this salvation, made their freedom, their liberation out of Egypt, out of slavery, possible. And so for John, 
He's not necessarily talking here about atonement or sacrifice when he refers to Jesus as the Lamb of God. What he's doing instead is reframing and describing the liberating power of Jesus, the liberating power of this God to remove that which binds us. It's not a replacement. It's a removal to remove that which separates us from God, from one another. You with me? In order that we might live freely into who God has called us to be. It's about liberation. That's what John is getting at here when he says that Jesus is taking away the sin of the world. As the Lamb of God, he's, he's, uh, he's lifting it. He's removing it or taking away the power that that sin has over us, the ways that we're bound in order to make possible our liberation. So that's the first thing. It's about liberation and freedom. And the second that we've got to dig in uh, to is, is that question, where are you staying? Where are you staying? That, uh, that, that uh, 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 Andrew and Peter ask Jesus, where are you staying? This is one of my favorite details here in John's gospel um, as a whole. If you know this one thing, if you know this one party trick, this one fun fact, then your whole reading of John changes forever. It changes how you approach the gospel of John. You ready for this? It's going to change your life. I promise. I promise. In Greek, the word stay is meno, meno, M-E-N-O, meno. And it can also be translated remain or abide, remain or abide. And for John, the gospel writer, this is who Jesus is in one word, the one who stays, the one who abides. And we know this because this word, meno, or stay, or remain, or abide, shows up more than any other word in John's gospel. This word, minnow, shows up more than any other word. If you were to put the whole gospel of John in a word cloud generator, right, and see what word is biggest, minnow would be the one, right? And uh, it'd be the biggest, the biggest one there. And when we hold this in mind, it makes Jesus' response to this question, where are you staying, make a little more sense. Because while Andrew and Simon Peter may have wanted to know coordinates, accommodation, Google Maps directions, right? He wants to see the reviews too and the like. Jesus hears a different, deeper question. Instead of where are you staying, what Jesus is hearing is with whom are you abiding? With whom are you abiding? And that's the question that he's ultimately responding to. Who's in need of liberation? With whom are you abiding? Where are you staying? And that's why Jesus responds the way he does. Come and see. Come and see. Because he can't just tell them. He has to show them. They have to see for themselves. Come and see. If you've been around the local church for any uh, amount of time, um, you'll know that I make a point of saying each week or trying to say, trying to remember to say, uh, something that goes like this. Wherever you are in your spiritual journey or on no journey at all, you have a place here at the local church. You, you belong here and we're more whole with you. You've probably heard me say it before. If it's your first time, you'll hear me say it again. I promise. And it's true. It's true. Here at the local church, we say proudly that you are more than welcome. You belong and we mean it. But y'all, today's passage, this scripture has convicted me a little bit. And I got to share it with you. It's convicted me a little bit because here's the thing. Jesus could have answered that question, where are you staying? In any number of ways. He could have offered a lecture, a sermon maybe, right? He could have given them a one-page document of frequently asked questions before they take this step so that they can make an informed decision. He could have given them a slideshow 
of all the people that they should care about, all those in need of liberation. But instead, he simply says, come and see. Beyond any lecture, beyond any verbal instruction, when Jesus says, come and see, he's beckoning Andrew and Simon Peter to get up, to move, to take another step, to get close, to take action, to see Ultimately, those who are in need of liberation, those with whom Jesus is staying, remaining, abiding. Because here's the thing, before they can see the events and the people and the miracles and the mercy, before they can see, they've got to come. They've got to get up. They can't stay where they are. Jesus doesn't say, stay where you are and look around. They'll come to you. He says, come and see, right? What I love about the word come also is, is it's not go. It's a joining. It's an act of coming together as well. It implies that there are people who are going with you. Come and see. In much the same way, it's true. It's true that wherever you are in your spiritual journey or on no journey at all, you have a place at the local church. That Jesus meets you here just as you are. But it's also true that God loves us too much to leave us here. It's a great place to start, but it's only a start. Are you with me? And so in my role as pastor of the local church, this is one of my New Year's resolutions, and I'm saying it here so that y'all will hold me accountable to this. Permission granted to do this, okay? I promise. This is one of my resolutions. I'm saying it here so that y'all will hold me to it, that I will lead us by God's grace to be a people who are about faithfully taking the next step, whatever that might be. It's different for each of us. But that's who we are. That's what God is calling us to do. If we, if we really want to experience the fullness of life that God has for us, if we really want to make an impact in the world, if we too want to see miracles happen and lives transformed and liberation for all of God's beloved, for ourselves included, first, we have to come. First, we have to come. We have to respond to Jesus' invitation by taking that one next step closer to the one who has come near to us. Then we get to see. Then we get to see. That's what this series, this season, our whole journeys of life and faith are all about. So what's that next step for you? You knew that was coming. What's that next step for you? What's one step closer to Jesus today? Might be starting a Bible reading plan or participating in morning prayer. So that you can begin the day, just a few minutes, five minutes at the start of your day to respond throughout the day rather than react, maybe. Maybe it's joining our mission or anti-racism teams or taking part in a service opportunity tomorrow to help build a better world. What's one step closer for you? Maybe it's showing up early to help set up these chairs, creating space for connection. We could always use the help could always use the help. But the best part is that there's joy to be found when we do this work every Sunday morning. Help create space for others to experience worship. Maybe it's embracing the awkward, joining a local table and discovering the joy of holy friendship. Helping out with the kids on Sunday morning, learning anew what it means to have a childlike faith. It could be committing to be consistent here on Sunday mornings or or starting your own Bible study to try to dig a little bit deeper in your faith. What's one step closer for you today? Maybe it's taking time to learn the story of somebody who's rubbed you the wrong way, 
showing mercy to somebody who's long, you've long written off. Maybe you're ready to finally apply to Div School. Take the next step in your calling. Maybe you want to sit down with me, have coffee, hash out these questions. Maybe that's your next step. I'd be down. It's one of my favorite things to do. I'll even buy your beverage. What's your next step? Maybe there's something that's been stirring in you for a while. You've been put it off, putting it off, and it's time. Again, I'm here to talk through any of these with you. I'm here to help you take that next step. And so what's the next step that you need? What's the next step you need to take to see what Jesus wants you to see a little more clearly this morning? In each of these ways, and in so many others, Jesus beckons you to take that risk, to pile into that 15 or this morning about 80 passenger van together and see where it is we might be going to make some friends along the way and ultimately see together this world a little bit differently just by saying yes, just by taking that next step, just by abiding together with Jesus for a little while on the way home. What's that next step for you? This weekend, all around the country, we're remembering the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and uh, working toward this morning. I was reminded of a story that I shared uh, this summer here um, that I learned this summer and subsequently shared this summer about how Dr. King ended up as a leader of the civil rights movement. It bears repeating, if you've heard it before, uh, there was an episode in which he had been imprisoned uh, and then released from jail. And uh, and after he was released, he went home and he was just kind of taking stock of everything. He needed a little bit of space away from the crowds and from the demands and from the imprisonment, from the work to simply process all that had happened and was happening, all that he'd experienced and and what that next step for him might be. And after his uh, wife and daughter had gone to bed, he, he sat in his kitchen with just a cup of coffee and a prayer. And in that moment, in that moment, something stirred within him. The Reverend Dr. King would later describe this experience saying, quote, it seemed at that moment that I could hear an inner voice saying to me, Martin Luther, stand up for righteousness. Stand up for justice. Stand up for truth. And so he did. This one Next step would change the world, taking part in the liberating power of Jesus by abiding, staying with, coming alongside those with whom Jesus abided. Seeing a future of hope, of equality, of justice, freedom for people of color, color, but he wouldn't stop there. We often only think of the Reverend Dr. King as a champion of civil rights, but he also advocated for workers' rights. He spoke out against the Vietnam War. He fought for economic justice too, believing that poverty is a barrier to beloved community, a vision that he would only be able to come and see after he'd come to take a step after step after step toward Jesus. The same spirit that stirred in his heart that night launching a movement is here in you, beckoning you, calling you right here, right now. What's that next step for you. I've got the keys to the van. So hop in. All right? Or as Jesus puts it, come and see. 
If you love what you hear, share this episode or send it to someone who could use a little good news this week. We'd also love for you to leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. It's an easy way to share the love. You can learn more about the local church at our website, growlocal.church, or just come see us one week. Thanks for listening and love where you are.